This episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast is brought to you in part by No Judges Needed BJJ Apparel and Lavender Lane CBD Products. You can use the promo code JJT for 20% off your first order at No Judges Needed and the code JJTimes20, all uppercase, last two items are numerical, for 20% off your first order of CBD products. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And now, you know, let's talk about Kevin for a sec, because I'm very fortunate to be able to do this show with such an accomplished guy. You know, he's an IBJJF Masters Champion. And, you know, very often that's like such an end-all, be-all thing. And, like, he's he, he talks about it a lot. And, you know, there's not – I can't really say anything. Who am Brown, I? But Brown belt masters too, by the way, just for the, for the folks. Okay, all awesome. right. But, <laughs> but today, today is very special because we are joined on the show by not only one, but two IBJJF masters champions. <laughs> and it is a very, very rare opportunity that I'm going to take full advantage of being a young guy with a lot of questions about jujitsu. So yeah. please join me in welcoming 2019 IBJJF Masters Champion and AOJ Black Belt, as well as author and recent van lifer, Nick the Tooth Gullo. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. All awesome. right. Well, let's just like... First of all, you I, we got to sell. We got to say uh, you recently celebrated a birthday, so happy birthday! Yeah, thank you. It's my birthday month. I always like to say. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, if it's it, when it's my birthday month, I get to burn whoever I want for waves. So ah, I'm gonna take you, the whole month. <laughs> my my fiance is the same way because she was she was born on the first of the month, so she's like, mm. I own the whole thing, like pillar to post. It's all mine. <laughs> Yeah, now, that's a strong hand, birthday yeah. should go for a month at least. And it, my, I always tell people my birthday lasts until people quit buying me beers. When people are like, dude, your birthday was like fucking a month ago. I'm not buying you new beers anyway. My birthday, my birthday's over now. I'm just imagining. So like, <laughs> so Kevin's birthday celebration never really stops because no. there's always some. There's always some like really eager blue belt that's willing to buy him a beer. I'll buy you a beer, Coach Kev. When's your birthday? January. Happy birthday, Oh, jeez, oh, Coach Kev. Uh, thank you so much for your help. I just I, I love the the sweeps that you taught me. <laughs> But but yeah, how is uh you know, you know it's like it's it's a stressful time you know for the world and you you felt it uh more than a lot just because you like this uh this illness hit you pretty close to home. I know you were experiencing symptoms a while ago. How's the how's the health doing right now? If you know, what I, I mean. got it. I got it back yeah. in March, like really really early on, and uh, I'm fine. I mean, after you recover, I, I think we know a lot more now. I, I, some people actually do have symptoms that linger for a long time. I didn't. Um, uh, being as though as the as it's a respiratory disease, I uh, my cardio always sucked anyways. So it's <laughs> like if it if it lingered and 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 there are residual effects of that, I don't notice because of my cardio. Like I said, it always sucks. So. Um, but no, I, I've been fine. I've been fine for uh, you know it, it lasted for me like three weeks, and then that was it. But uh, it was gnarly, man. It was heavy when it hit. And it, what's interesting is that, you know, most people that I know that that were not asymptomatic that got it, you know, they had a it's not the flu, man. It's it's much more intense. And um, 
one of the things I think that's really hard. I just a friend of mine who's uh, who rolls at uh, at AOJ just found I just found out that his uh, uncle died. His uncle's like sixty years old in perfect health, and um, his brother, his his other uncle, got it also and lived. And so it's really kind of a. I think that's the scariest thing about it is that it is in a sense Russian roulette, you know, to where you could be healthy and it'll kill you, and you know, no, in all likelihood nothing's going to happen. You know, the odds are with you if you're healthy, but there's just always that chance, you know. So. Yeah, I, I mean, one of the big warning signs early on was I think Hodger was one of the first big jiu-jitsu guys to come out and say, I got it. And it like, it's no joke, you know, and anything that's yeah. that's enough to scare Hodger Gracie. I'm just like, OK, right? you know, <laughs> that dude is Superman. Yeah. And he's young, too. So, yeah, he's, yeah. he's I don't think he's barely 40. Was he like 35 or something? I think like so. That? Yeah. 37, yeah. maybe like at the latest. Yeah. But it, it's 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 crazy, you know, and and. You see how it's affected small businesses, but you also it's a it's a tightrope walk because, you know, our sport is very contact or it's almost entirely contact oriented. So, you know, what are you going to do? Did you um before you were before you got diagnosed, was your training affected? Just because I know a lot of places started to close down. Well, and, and tighten that's. Up around. Like three weeks before the pandemic hit, I, I think it was like probably like late late february i went out and uh i bought a van so i bought a sprinter van it was something that uh my wife and i had been talking about for years there uh, like i'd say 12 years ago 14 no it was longer than that it was like 14 years ago um i bought an old airstream off the side of the road you know one of those silver trailers and uh i renovated that and my wife and daughter and I lived in the, the Airstream and we just traveled the country for like six months. And so our daughter now is married and she lives in London. And so, um, yeah, I started very early. So, um, so she, uh, so my wife and I were kind of like, let's just, let's just travel again, man. And, uh, and so I went and got a Sprinter van and then the pandemic hit. But because I bought the Sprinter van, um, I decided to forego Pan Ams and just do everything. I was thinking I could build out the van in like 30, 40 days. And so I just started working on this van like eight hours a day. And so I cut back my training significantly yeah. to like probably three days a week. I typically train like six days a week. Um, we're three days drilling and three days over at AOJ sparring. Typically, I'd be like three days at Ruka, at the private gym, and uh, just with one of my drilling partners. And um, so I cut back on that a lot, and I really wasn't going to AOJ, and I wasn't uh, I wasn't going to um, I was only going over to Ruka. Um, but so a lot of people were like, "Hey, did you get it at AOJ?" And I was like, "No," because I wasn't over there when, when I got sick. I actually got it from. Um, someone else who trains and who just came over the house and they didn't tell me they were sick. That's all um, shit. I, I remember the, the early on at Kev, I was actually most worried about you just because those images <laughs> of everyone at the Kev's in Florida uh, and yeah, everyone, man. all those images of everyone going to the beach and just like partying for spring break. And he's just like, I swear to God, Kevin. Well, I mean, it's just, it's just like the wild west here in Florida. Like these guys are just doing whatever the hell they want to. Like we haven't even. I'm really. from Florida. So I know. Oh, uh, you know where you're from? Yeah. 
Florida is a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> Florida it, man it, is real. Man, it really uh, is. Pe people that aren't from Florida don't realize how insane of a place Florida is. It's like a refuge for all of the castaways of the rest of the country. If you're a fuck up, if you're some kind of a con man, if you're like an ex meth addict that's trying to get right or just doesn't want to get right, you move to Florida. That's I mean, no, Drew, Drew Weatherhead from Because Jitsu, I think, said it best when he was like, I think it was New York is where you make your money. <laughs> and uh, Vegas is where you make your name, and Florida is where you go to hide your money and change your name. <laughs> yeah. LA is where you make your L name. LA, yeah, LA is where you yeah, make your yeah. name, right? So shout out, Drew. <laughs> where, where are yeah. you from originally, Tooth? Well, I'm I'm from, I'm actually born in New Orleans. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and so, but I grew up in Vegas. Wow. Yeah. Where Where in Florida did you live at? So I lived on the in the in the Panhandle. Okay. So just oh wow, yeah. Pensacola and <laughs> Panama City. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the real fucking Florida. <laughs> that's lower Alabama. That ain't even Florida, man. That's where shit gets real. That's where shit gets real. <laughs> They're in the Keys. Like the Keys are off the chain too, yeah. man. Because if you live down in the Keys, you're a psychopath. Yeah, but you the Keys are the Keys are a different type of crazy. They just kind of totally. like live. They live their own. They live in their own little world. You know, totally. Yeah, you I just, just dropped off the face of the earth. If right, right. Yeah, hey, fucking motherfuckers. They're all fucking each other and doing doing, <laughs> doing, doing drugs. And I remember living was, that free life, man. I That's remember thinking life. like the only time I'd ever heard about the Florida Keys was in like an old Schwarzenegger movie. I think it was like True Lies True when he's lies, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was True yeah, Lies. Was great and he was, and then the, like years later, don't ever really think about the Keys again. And then I see on YouTube a, a video of the Coast Guard, like boating to the middle of nowhere and then a submarine rises and then they get off the boat with guns and then take like everyone out of the submarine with like a bunch of drugs and then yeah, it's like this is off the coast of miami and i'm like jesus that Christ. movie that movie honestly is a very underrated brian de palma directed that movie by the way if you haven't seen true lies yeah he, and when you watch it when you watch it you can totally see. Wow, this is a this is a well made Brian De Palma film with the cuts, and it kind of has that noir kind of feel to it. It's it's it's. Yeah, it's Jamie Lee Curtis is also just underrated, and, and, like and very talented. You get to see Jamie Lee Curtis in like a, I don't think you see her boobs, but you see her. Like, you see her <laughs> pretty pretty naked. I just want to like reiterate: we're ten minutes into a jujitsu podcast. Very little jujitsu. <laughs> a little lot of dissecting the the cult classic "True Lies" with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> oh, so but, but I so, think yeah, that like I was I was born in New Orleans. I was raised in Vegas. I lived in California for a period of time, and uh, before moving back to New Orleans, meeting my wife, going to school, went to grad school, all that shit in New Orleans, and then we ended up going to Florida was in Florida for quite a long time, lived down in Naples, then lived up in the Panhandle, and then we jumped in the Airstream after Hurricane Katrina and came out uh, to the West Coast, and that's how we landed in uh, Newport Beach, where AOJ is. Man, you, you kind of made the circuit. That's pretty cool. You've lived in some pretty cool and interesting places man i've i, yeah, I, I yeah. envy you that regard you're kind of a worldly man you know it's, it's interesting like you, <laughs> I, I mean I you've never... touched the meccas of of, of culture yeah. in, in, in florida or in america yeah yeah i've lived in chicago i've lived all over I, we're we're nomads my wife and i have always moved we're that's why we love the van life what'd you get your uh, what'd you get your degree in if you don't mind me asking i'm just curious 
Um, I went to Tulane for law school, and uh, I got my MBA also. Fucking a, Nick! You're just you're such a this is this is impressive. I met you once. I met you once at the Masters, and like you have, I don't, I I, I don't know you well, but I know enough about you, and you kind of have this allure of like this kind of like ah floaty kind of like you know renaissance man they kind of like well up and down but like dude that you went to tulane you got a law degree from tulane that's impressive <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck no, what happened Nick? <laughs> fried my brain to the point where i'm just like no more i'm just gonna float from here so on out what point did you kind of i mean because if you're going to law school at tulane you, you obviously have some kind of focus in your life to 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 be a professional or to, to do something in that regard mm-hmm. what what point in your life did you kind of realize that that just wasn't the direction you wanted to go in and and you and, and, you, and you went down the route you're in now well i mean i i went to i went to i love i love things that are cerebral you know mm-hmm. and so and i love a challenge i just it just gives my life meaning and so uh i went to law school just because i thought it would be challenging and i thought i would enjoy it and so and then when i was in law school i took a class over at the business school and i thought well you know what it'll be even more challenging because within the first year of we got my wife and i got married in august and i started law school in september and then she had we had a baby within a year and then a year after that i started my mba and so i just i just like shit that's hard you know i like difficult long you know projects and so for me that's what school really was and then when i got out of school i became i decided instead of going to practicing law i wanted to get into real estate development so i uh, i did that and i became a general contractor in florida and built you know complexes and developments and shit like that and um and then i got tired of that and so decided i wanted to do something else but that's i just you know that's like my whole floating thing that's i just like to find things that's why i love jujitsu you know because it's it's so difficult and it's so cerebral and it's you know it's it's never and it's a game that just always you never stop growing with it right as much as you give you get exactly i, I could say that all the time every time i teach I could teach the same arm bar a thousand times. And every time I teach it, I literally find something new about it. Something as simple as extending the arm, breaking the elbow. I find a new little nuance that I go, oh, wow. If I put my foot here instead of there, this is the why this works in that manner. And it's constantly evolving and growing. It's, it's yeah. Just such a beautiful yeah. It's thing. really cool, man. It's so, it's so rad. What I, I find, you know, that, that progression throughout my life, I mean, jujitsu just, it played right into that, you know. I like surfing did, for that reason too. It's hard. It's difficult, you know. Where did jujitsu come into play? When did you start doing jujitsu? Did you martial arts before? Or did you just kind of like meet some people? Or, no, or no. But I wrestled from like eight years old to eighteen, mm-hmm. and so I grew up grappling. Right. Um, and but I resisted jujitsu. You know, I <laughs> I first I first rolled. I think it was like nineteen ninety nine. It was Dana White and I, and we were underneath the UFC. Uh, corporate offices there was a gym and i think it was john lewis was kind of showing dana some some jujitsu and that was you know that was really early that was jujitsu was so rudimentary at that point comparatively you know um and but at that time i just was you know we did it and i was like yeah i it just wasn't something that that grabbed me at that point in my life and 
Um, but I, um, I rolled again uh, when I started getting interested in it when a buddy of mine um, who trains under James Brand is like one of the first American black belts. He uh, in uh, in Costa Mesa, he uh, we would get drunk and he would just he just starting. He was a blue belt. And so he would challenge me. And one time I we just would like rolled all the way through a bookcase, took down an entire wall. And afterwards, I was like, all right. I'm going to try this. I mean, if, if you're getting into this like this then I'm going to try it. And so, uh, at that point I, I started, I knew that I, I wanted to learn at a gym that was, was advanced. I kind of had that idea in my mind, even though I didn't know what that meant. And so I went to like, probably like eight different gyms. Cause we have a lot of gyms. And even back then when I started, you know, which wasn't that long ago, but like 2012, uh, that uh, there were a lot of gyms. And so I went to gym after gym. And finally, Pat Tenori, who who I'm friends with, who started Ruka, the owner of Ruka, um, he was opening a gym. He told me with the Mendez brothers. And he said, don't, don't join another gym until our gym opens. And so I was like, I want to start right now. Um, and so I would... Uh, I would drop by the gym while it was under construction. And then I met the brothers at that point and, uh, and, you know, started just, I, at that point I would roll with my buddy and watch YouTube videos. I was really into Nogi. I did not want to do Gi at all. Um, and so I started learning rubber guard. I went up and, uh, met Eddie Bravo and, uh, and, and learned some rubber guard from him. And then the gym finally opened that summer. And, uh, in the first like four months, I only would train no gi. I was like, I am not training in the gi. I hate it. I don't want to do it. I just, if there would have been a 10th planet, I probably would have joined the 10th planet, but there wasn't at that point in uh, near the house. And so anyways, I'd be friend, you know, I, it, it was actually really cool that I didn't train in the gi because at that point the gym had just opened and Hoffa and gi were in their competitive primes. You know, both of them had three world titles. And so Hoffa, and they were both teaching classes exclusively. Um, and so in the Nogi class, there were like eight of us, right? And Hoffa was training for, you know, ADCC for everything. And so because I was a wrestler, uh, he and I, I couldn't, you know, really do jujitsu, but I could definitely give him a look for wrestling. And so he and I would just grapple every single day. And so it was, uh, it was, it was really cool, man, to, to look back and think what an opportunity that I had, you know, and I was able to, to take advantage of that. And, and so, this was, this was back in the back days in the day. before they yeah, had yeah, like, like, like they, like they come up with a big like system. Like they hadn't, they had their gym hadn't developed into the gargantuan AOJ. We didn't, that it is yeah, now. We didn't even have, we didn't have uniforms. We didn't have. You didn't have anything. It was just like so early two thousand, two thousand five, two thousand six, something like that. Maybe big two thousand ten. <laughs> no, 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 no. They opened the gym in two thousand twelve. Well, all right, yeah, okay, cool. I, my my ten years and twenty years is like it doesn't make a difference yeah, to me anymore. It's like no, no, weird. and so no, there wasn't. It was just really raw, and we would just bang heads, man. I would come out of there with I would I'd say every other week I had a black eye, you yeah. know, and I was just starting, and and I was I was I was forty three then when I first started. And uh, so I just so love it. Man. I, I, I feel like I feel like this is sort. Of, I feel mm -hmm. like is this is sort of a like 
stupid question, but is that how you lost the tooth? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I lost the tooth a, a year before then. I was surfing. I was surfing uh, big waves. And uh, I was surfing big waves down at uh, down at uh, a break called Cotton's. And uh, it was like this, what they call this code red swell, this crazy swell. is like 12 feet. And for me, that was big. And, uh, you know, like I would say 18-foot faces. And my board came back as I was being held down. And I couldn't get a breath. And I was like, shit, man, shit. And so I kicked off my leash and swam up. And as I did, by kicking off my leash, I, I like slingshotted the board back to me. And the back of the board hit as I took a breath. It hit my tooth and just shattered it. And, uh, and so then, yeah, but I immediately, because um, I had braces and everything, my teeth were actually fine. <laughs> and so I actually got an implant and I went to like the best uh, periodontist and endodontist. And I got uh, uh, in Beverly Hills. I, I, what happened was I was in um, New Orleans for a UFC with uh with Dana and I, and uh, it started, they had put a crown on it, started getting infected. So I flew back early, went right to Beverly Hills and they put the implant in. And for the next six months, I, um, I, it was infected and they kept giving me antibiotics and antibiotics and they didn't want to take it out. And so because they couldn't take it out and it was infected, I couldn't feel the front of my face. Um, I was still rolling all the time and, and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't wear a flipper you know, a fake tooth. And, uh, so I had to go around without a tooth. And then, uh, Dana and I started doing like video blogs and, uh, just funny shit. And he started calling me the tooth and then it kind of stuck. And finally the, the antidonist was like, I, I told him, I'm like, dude, I haven't fucking tasted food in six months. Would you do something about my tooth? He goes, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to take it out. And so we took it out and it was the greatest relief I've ever felt in my life. I was like, oh my God, I feel so good right now. And then he's like, and we'll, we'll, we'll let it heal up. And next week we'll put a new one in. I was like, that ain't happening, bro. You were never putting anything in my mouth again. And uh, I was like, I, I've been married 25 years. I don't need a tooth, man. <laughs> so, yeah, she can't take it. She like, can't get rid of me now. This motherfucker, you know? Yeah, I, I've, I've got a wife and I've already got an awesome nickname. I am fine. I'm set. Yeah, okay. exactly. What exactly do I need a tooth for? You know? <laughs> so, so, so talk to me a little bit about like your pre jujitsu years because i'm i'm interested now because i i i know you but i don't know a considerable amount about you because i'm horrible about doing research i just like no yeah (laughs) but but like i know you're shout out to kanye duarte (laughs) i know that you are someone that's that's a figure in the world of mma talk to me about how you got involved with dana white in in the 90s in the early days and how that bridge i mean that that goes back to the 80s we grew up together oh see see these yeah these are things that that i I should know but i didn't know but that's that's pretty interesting no no we grew up together since we were kids so right so you knew dana way way back before like i said i was i was uh i was around when they were just considering buying it and that's when i first saw jujitsu um and i thought it was the stupidest idea in the world i was like cage fighting really (laughs) mr t this is the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> so, so at the time, were you also close at all with the Fertitas? Yeah, or? I grew up. I grew up with Lorenzo. He and I played football uh, together, and uh, yeah, yeah. I remember it like because there was like uh, 
all, all, I think all of you guys went to high school together as we well. Yeah. We Where yeah, was that I, at? They, is that was in Vegas? They went to a different high school. Dana went to the high school, got kicked out of one high school, and went to my high school for a little bit. But that's not how I knew him. Um, yeah. But, but his his wife now, um, I was uh, dating like one of her best friends, and we kind of met each other. We were young, really young um, at that point, and that's how we met. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, that was my, because of Vegas and because, you know, when I grew up in Vegas, when we grew up in Vegas, it was very, very small. It was nothing like it is now. Um, yeah. there were just a few high schools. It was, you know, I grew up when I grew up there in the seventies, there were, you know, I grew up next to a ranch where they had chickens and freaking horses. I mean, it was a cowboy, cowboys and mobsters is what right. it was. And so it was very, very different than anybody yeah, you, can even. You go to Vegas it. now, and and people like it's it's like cities and like there's shit. I don't going even on. It's, like, it's, it. it's crazy. Yeah, I it's crazy. I hate it. I don't go back. I don't like it. I don't like the weather. I don't like the culture. There is no culture. I just I'm like no. So I, correct me. I, I went to college there, and as soon the day I got out, I left and never went back. I, just, I, I mean, uh, to, to be fair, there is a few good reasons to go to Vegas. Namely, if you ever wanted to go see Robert Drysdale, who has a gym, who has his gym out there, uh, yeah, friend like, of the I show. Love Rob, man. He's yeah, such awesome. a cool guy. I love that dude. Really so him. he's I, like, I'm trained there quite a bit. He's one yeah. of those guys that's like so smart. It kind of scares me talking to him. Like he's so yeah. like he's so well spoken that I feel like a caveman, like a like uh, a dumb idiot. <laughs> yeah, he's such a great guy. Now that dude that. knows more about the origins of fighting and jujitsu than any other human being I've ever seen in my entire life. I posted some video that was a pretty, I thought, was a pretty cool uh origin story of brazilian jiu-jitsu how it came from japan and i taught i sent it to, to robert and i was like hey mo check this out this is cool with some new stuff tell me what you think about it and literally like he sent me back like a nine paragraph message on 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 facebook picking apart each individual point and you know and wow. debunking this and agreeing this and tell me why this yeah. is this and this is that like it's just, wow yeah he's, he just knows all that shit man Wow, that's amazing! I didn't yeah, know I that. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a, a historian, history, history major. He, he does all. Yeah. He's got that. Uh, his videos come. His movies coming out. Closed guard. Yeah, closed guard. Uh, they ran into some development snags because I don't know if you know this, but the world is in a bit of a pickle right now. Yeah. But uh, he's he's updating. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a book coming out ahead of that. Uh, uh, I think it's also titled Closed Guard, but I'll I'll link it below. That should that should definitely be interesting. Uh, okay. his, historian and Clash of Clans addict, which uh, I was fine. It was kind of funny to, <laughs> kind of funny to find that out. So, you, you know, you're getting into jujitsu. You're 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 at the groundwork of AOJ and what that will become with uh, with everybody. Um, you started competing at blue belt, or did you start competing at? Uh, I, I competed immediately. Immediately, I, I didn't. I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know any better. I mean, if you go to AOJ now, you're not going to roll with the brothers, right? It's not going to happen. You're not going to be a white belt that's going to roll with the brothers. It's right. never going to happen. And so, you know, you're going to start in a beginner class. There's all this structure that, you know, we were talking about. And um, another, but another benefit of that was that they were like, dude, Hoppo's like, you're going to compete? I'm like, well, if you're going to compete, then I'm going to compete. So, yeah, of course I am. And uh, so the first tournament I did was 
um, Nogi Worlds, and I was a white belt. And as you know, they don't have a blue belt division. I mean, a white belt division. And so I just was like, shit, man, I want to do Nogi Worlds. I've been training for four months, five months, whatever. I think it was four months um, every single day with Hoffa. I'm like, so I just signed up as a blue belt and I was a white belt. And then so he was like, he found out and he goes, did you sign up as a blue belt? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, getting a white belt, so I'm just going to compete. And he just kind of <laughs> looked at me, and I think he looked at me. He goes, "Okay, this guy is clearly freaking a psychopath, and he doesn't have a tooth." And you know, but all jokes aside, he was like, "All right, let's see what you can do." And so I, uh, I entered and I won. And yeah, uh, that that was a huge. Th I, I remember that being like, like great, like crazy, a crazy story too. Just because. Yeah. I mean, you, you're right. No one really does that. The the game is too well known. I don't known. think you can do it anymore either. I think they've they've clamped down on those kind of things. Uh, yeah, now like, they have all kind of checks yeah, and balances. You got to get your yeah. structure to sign off. You got memberships and all these things. Yeah, even all get, do you get audited if you if you sign up and you're not really a white belt or a blue belt? That's yeah, crazy. So, anyways, that's how I got, and then I got my blue belt immediately upon that. Hoppa was like, you know, in front of the whole school, he's like, "This is how you get a belt." <laughs> you know? yeah, right. You yeah, gotta you, win yeah. worlds. <laughs> I mean, you don't you have know, a choice. What's interesting is, you know, their mentality, their competitive mentality, is such that I think, you know, above all else, it's about winning. Even with their students, they don't. You know, I've never. I've never been congratulated for a silver medal ever. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, so what? I mean, I was told one time, well, so what? You could have just faced that person you lost to in the first round and got nothing. What does that mean? I was like, oh, shit, I better win next time. <laughs> tell, tell me a little bit about what it was like in the early days training with the Mendez brothers before they had you know, the gargantuan school that they have now and the fact that they have all this acclaim as being the the masters of the art they are. Like, tell me a little bit about, like, first of all, like some of the things that make them so great and, you know, what it was like to be in a room with those guys. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just intense, you know. I mean, like I said, I got to I got to train with Hoffa all the time. Like, some people have even sent me some videos I didn't even know existed recently of, of me and Hoffa rolling like within the first three, four weeks of uh, of the school opening. But you know, it's just it was intensity and and uh, he always uh, wants to win. He always wants to win, and he wants to you know really. He's going to put it to you. I mean, he is going to one time uh, like when we first I think it was like within the first three weeks, we kind of locked up and I I suplexed him from a lateral drop and uh, in the air. He's such a cat. You know, I wrestled, so it's not like I don't know wrestling, but in the air, he just freaking flipped around and landed in such a way that he caught an arm bar and he yanked it so hard to let me know that this will never yeah. happen again right that my arm i couldn't straighten my arm for like two months so, like i said i i would always have i would just have black eyes i would have you know it was the training with hoppa was was the real freaking deal he doesn't go light on anybody you know i mean there obviously he would let me like he would put, let me get into situations where he could test himself you know at least 
Um, but the reality is, is that, you know, he just always hard, 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 man. And, and, and everything that he would execute, you know, if he was going to, if he was going to arm bar, you was going to arm bar you hard. If he was going to take your back, you were going to get choked. You know what I mean? So it wasn't, there was that, there's that old, uh, boxing, uh, you know, uh, thing that you don't want to pull your punches because if you pull your punches in training, then when you get in a fight, you know, you're going to be, you're going to have those same habits. So I think that was really, you know, his mentality was, you know, whatever I do, and he would say this, whatever I do in sparring, I'm going to do in, uh, in, in competition. So I'm not going to take it easy on you. And so it was like that, you know, and Hoffa is also just very, like one of the most meticulous people. I mean, that gym was spotless. He would walk around with like a rag and just make sure there wasn't those mats were completely white i mean he would do it every day uh, and yeah. not just once a day he would walk around the gym all day long doing that and i think that that mentality you know is reflected in you know how good he he became and how much he evolved the game because you know he's just he just fixates on things you know yeah, that I have my, my head instructor, Matt Arroyo, is similar in that regard. He fought in the UFC. He's got an amazing gym in, in, in Florida, but it's like everything you do. I've like I've never had a role with him that's been just been like, hey, let's just hey, we're just gonna chill a couple black belts, have yeah. a good old time. You know what I mean? Every time yeah. you roll with him, it's no, we're doing this thing, it's on. Let's 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 make it hard. And the same regard of every he's so type A almost almost asphyxiated with you know to, almost to the point where it's 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 a sickness but that type of desire and that type of drive is what makes him his great is what he is you know the fact that he can go out there and focus on one thing and be that determined and follow the x's and o's and get to that point like it's it's bordering between genius and insanity when you see things no it's ocd madness you know right exactly. i used to be like that i'm not i had to learn how to turn that off that's why i'm chill right now yeah, because it drove me mad. It's like I told Hop all the time. I'm like, you know, you're gonna be like Howard freaking Hughes. Howard Hughes was like yeah. that, and at the end of his life, his fingernails were like this long, and yeah. his hair was like out to here. You know, well, you break eventually. It breaks you. You know, he's, he's dream. His brain was already doing space travel. Like he's like, we got. <laughs> he's like, I did planes. Now we got to do the next thing. Right? It's crazy. Like it no. consumes you. And I think that having that physical outlet of jujitsu like being like if you're in a if you're losing yourself in a purely mental pursuit there it's it, it's hard for people to check you because you're in your own head and you're not like you're yeah. not a part of the world but in jujitsu you're getting physically like confronted by people that like are your your friends in a safe environment so i feel like there's a lot of ways that you can get pulled out of that sort of that being in your own head. I feel like the only guys oh, that really yeah. run that risk are like the true savants at like the, the edge of the edge of the sport that are just like talking in limericks and stuff. And they're just like, like, <laughs> like, like they're already like when humans evolve tails, this will be a great submission for that or some shit. Like <laughs> the guys that we don't even think about. No, um, I think, I think that's one of the benefits of coming to the sport later in life is that, I was never under the delusion, you know what I mean, that it was anything more than something that I just wanted to challenge myself with. Because I do think about that. I think about, you know, if if I had come to it, you know, at a very young age, I mean, 
It just because I w- it would have been obsessive for me, and I'm glad it's not because I love it because it's not. You know what I mean? I go out like you're saying. I can go out there and I can roll with you guys and I can have fun and not give a shit. And competition's different. You know, when I start yeah. getting ready for a competition six weeks before, shit gets real uh, with every roll, and 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 I make sure that I have that mentality going into the the tournament. But you know, aside from that, I'm just there to have fun. You know? Yeah, I it's so. When I think about Hoffa Mendes, like I really think about someone that is a true revolutionary in the art of jiu-jitsu. Like he 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 changed the game undoubtedly. You know, you know what I mean? He's de- yeah. created things, he did things that changed the aspects of sport jiu-jitsu to another level that other people follow in the same way, like Marcelo Garcia, same type of time type of thing. And the 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 part of my brain that kind of struggles with that is you know, because you think about people that are like, like that are like artistically minded that are revolutionary. Because jujitsu is an art, and there's no question about that. There's mm-hmm. an art yeah. aspect to it. And someone as type A motivated as Hoffa, I find it difficult to also think of him as a person that can be that creatively minded individual to be able to come up with the aspects of of his jujitsu game that he did. Like, tell me a little bit about how it's like learning from him and watching his creative process, like, tick. You know, I I think I really saw an evolution in his game when probably when I was like four to five years into it. And the emphasis seemed to go from Baron Bolo to uh, a, a completely new style of passing, you know, where it was just where it was more like free form boxing type of a, of a dancing type of a thing. And we all saw that in the, if people haven't seen it, the Hickson cup highlights with the Mendez brothers. And, and he really started to kind of uh, evolve in that respect where I, it, that was something very discernible to your question that I was able to say, wow, this is going in a totally different direction. And as I would roll with him, I could just feel it. It was just, it was bewildering when trying to deal with that. You know what I mean? Like, like if I, Guy is very much an old school pressure passer and, um, and I, you know, I, with Guy, I know what's coming. You know what I mean? He's going right. to knee slice. He's going to, you're not going to be able to H- stop hug it. the hips, the whole he's thing. Lapel, yeah. Right, right, right. In a baseball choke you, you know right. what I mean? And it's, right. it's just, but with Hoppe, it was very bewildering. And yeah. so I had yeah. never experienced that before. And so, yeah, that was, that was cool. I've, I've, I've seen him with Guy working on different things like, oh, if I take the lapel and I move it here, here and here. But, you know, I mean, so much of, of, of our, I think all of our growth in jujitsu comes from laying in bed at night thinking, oh, I could have done that. Or maybe if I do that next time or maybe, you know what I mean? So it's not like I was really witness to how much of, of, of that creative genius, that process that he has, you know, like that, but the, the, the passing definitely, I was able to, uh, to, to witness that. As, as an instructor though, is, is he the type of guy that is, that expresses his thoughts well that you 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 learn from him in a very easy manageable way or do you just kind of like pick it up from um from from watching and observing for me i mean you're really kind of talking about like two questions two issues there one what is my learning style and what is how does he teach you know i mean he's he's very much like this is what we're going to do right now when you have a very big class 
you know, I, I teach now too, and, and I, I have to be mindful just like you guys that, you know, some of the students in there are just going to get lost. I mean, it's, it's, I say now that, you know, we've we've seen everything we're going to see by Purple Belt, right? And so really it becomes about details and details and details. And so, you know, when he's teaching at a big class, like with 80 people or 100 people on the mat at AOJ, it's very much like, okay, I'm going to give you guys th this. Here, here is the move, the technique, and here I'm going to give you some higher level details for it. But not every one of you is a black belt. You know, you might not even you might be a black belt, but not a black belt or even a purple belt at this technique. So you that's when it becomes like, hey, dude, come show me. I'll just grab him. Come show me this or come show me that. You know, yeah. as for me, I mean, I, I, I spend three days a week drilling. You know, that's typically my routine. And so for me, I kind of after purple belt, I knew what I needed to learn. And so I didn't spend a whole lot of time at AOJ really learning from anybody at that point. I went over there for sparring and then to ask questions. But most of my growth came from just, you know, two hours at every single, you know, probably three, four days a week of just drilling, you know, drilling, drilling, going over it, going over it. And <clears throat> as I got more and more into the gi game, I immediately um, uh, got into lapel guard and all that. You know, so I, that's actually a good question is that you, you, talked earlier about how adamant you were about sticking to no gi uh how did you find your way to to the gi was it a conscious like all right I, it's time for me to put no, some time told, in he, he, uh, my master told me you're gonna start rolling in the gi now <laughs> and I, was like, I don't i was like oh no i don't want to do that and he goes no you're gonna do it and i said all right well i won't do no gi anymore and he said no you're gonna do both <laughs> and so i just started doing both and i was terrible at my guard was so bad that I I resolved to for the first year I did not uh, in the gi I did I only played guard, um, and if I would tell people when I was sparring if you pass we're starting over and if I sweep you we're starting over because I need that practice and to learn how to retain my guard and then now I'm a guard player you know <laughs> after after a year of doing that you just it becomes your your thing you know I well, tell it, my students that a lot. I, I, a lot of times, like I'm actually right now this month at the gym I teach at at Matt's gym, we're teaching uh, guards, guard this, guard that. And I always tell them that, that like, you know, one of the major things that is going to develop your cerebral game that's going to make you think about not just what you're doing, but what your opponent is doing, how to make them do things that you want them to do is by learning to play guard because it's when you're on top. You, know, you can just grab somebody holding there. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like you yeah. sit there and pinch him down. Like, sweet. Yeah. Now you ain't going nowhere. You can use your weight. You can just grab to your advantage. But when you're playing guard, you have to think about what your opponent is going to do and then work off of that intuition. Like playing guard is huge. And that's, that's that exact thing you said was something that everyone that's ever done jujitsu, if you're a wrestler or you've got that big top game, you've spent mm. that time on your butt. All right, cool. This is going to suck. I'm going to get my guard pass 100 times, but I'm going to be strong and I'm going to keep doing it in order to develop. Yeah, and you can't have an ego. You got to be like, I'm not, this gym is not the place where, you know, I establish my or get points. You know, I get points in competition. It's like the right. gym is the place where I get my ass kicked and my I, I learn my faults. And I see my weaknesses and my partners, my teammates are there to expose my weaknesses, right? And for right. that, I'm grateful. And so come kick my ass, which at AOJ, there's no shortage of 
13 year olds in green belts who will whip your ass you know right so so it's you know you have to be able to just say you know what I, I, i'll 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 lose here and i'll i'll just work on this weakness until it becomes my strength i i th that that triggered me so bad because i i train out of this place called the hive martial arts academy here in uh in manahawk in new jersey and there is this mm -hmm. guy kai who is a green belt like he's a kid but he's already taller than me and he like i know he's gonna go for to the olympics but i have no idea for what sport he's that physically dominant that i think he could wow. just pick up any sport in a week and just get to the highest level of it in a month and he's just like he's so good and he's such a stud that i'm like okay i'm like the fertilizer that this kid is going to use <laughs> to grow even yeah, higher. Yeah. And it's, no but doubt. it's like, once you remove that egotistical part of you that goes, I'm getting my ass handed to me by like <laughs> a really young kid, you start to see the beauty of how you, you kind of fit into the large story of jujitsu, like the massive oh, story being told everywhere. That's a little hippy dippy, but like, that's, that's where I go no, to think it's about true. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, at, at AOJ, you know, kids come from around the world and, and they come because, you know, their parents will put them up and, you know, they're homeschooled and they're just professional jujitsu athletes starting at like 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. So that's that's just the way it is there, man. And you're going to get your ass whooped and I get my ass whooped. So, you know, especially before a tournament, man, I'm, I'm what's great for me is before competition I, I i make sure that i'm rolling with the best kids like jonathan jonathan becomes one of my biggest training partners for before i go in jonathan alves before uh, a tournament because you know when I'm, I'm a guard player and when i rule with him i will typically play guard and he will never submit me he we, it's this unspoken thing where he will pass my guard and come right back like that thing i was telling you about and after three minutes, I want to start crying because my uh, my cardio is. I'm just like, dude, submit me, please submit me, please. Submit just give me a break. You know, I just I just want to take yeah, that. I want to take that dude. ten seconds yeah. to take a breath and do it. Right? <laughs> I'm fifty years old, bro. Leave me alone, man. You know, but uh, that's what gets me. In and then you know, you go into competition after that, and it's like. You know, not that the guys are ever a joke in competition because they're not at all. The only people who really compete are people who are freaking good. But it just makes it, it, it an easier road, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop whatever Kev is gonna say real quick because you just complained like, oh, I'm a 50 year old man, and uh, I gotta. I think we need to look at this real quick and just say, <laughs> yeah, go fuck yourself, Nick. Picture. Yeah, I how about like picture. how about you? Oh, I'm 50. Oh, my bones are glass and I'm, I'm made of dust. Yeah, okay. You, you can't you can't do that. That's not um, that's not cool. That's not cool here, man. That's some false advertising bullshit right there. And I'm not I'm like we're not trying to be some hot take podcast. I'm gonna call you out. Not, you, not I don't to mention your hairline better than me. That's the not my cardio. Soccer, the Laura soccer <laughs> comment kind of completes it in the corner down. There. That's Just my old man's strength. That's not my cardio. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, cool, man. God. So as an older grappler, because I'm there with you, I'm an old man too myself. I, I, I go mm -hmm. out there and still like to pretend like I can hang with the young bucks. And sometimes I can. Sometimes I think to myself, like, what in the hell am I doing in this place? Like, sometimes it's awesome and I'm on top of the world. And sometimes I'm sitting in a corner, like in a puddle of my own sweat and blood and 
whatever other bodily fluids leaking out. And I think to myself, why do I continue to do this? Like, how do you, how, as you progressed older, do you deal with that? Do you find yourself that it's difficult to just push through those mental barriers? Do you make yourself get more rest? Like some of the things you do to make it happen for you. I mean, it, you're talking about lifestyle now. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I work out every day. There's not a day, even in the van. So, you know, we're traveling all over the place in the van. And uh, every time we get to wherever we're going to be camping, I just pull out all the weights, the bands, everything. And, and so, you know, I, I've probably been, I probably worked out, uh, I would say four to five days a week, every single week since I was 12 years old. That's 40 years. So I don't, I don't fuck around with working out. I work out all the time and my diet is just, uh, my diet is so strict. I'm vegan. I, uh, I've been vegetarian for 35 years. I haven't had meat. I, uh, I'm just super freaking strict, man. I'm keto. I don't eat any carbs. I'm aggro about it. So. Jesus, what, what, the hell, what the hell do you eat? <laughs> keto, <laughs> keto, vegan, uh, no carbs. Free. <laughs> like, I, I, I talk about it a lot, but it, it, basically I start out the morning with the, uh, with grill, what I call gorilla coffee. It's kind of like a bulletproof coffee, except I use like all, I take like half a cup of olive oil. And I'll take raw almond butter and I'll just with like flaxseed meal, super into nutrition. I always have been. And I'll blend that up and I'll just make like 40 ounces of that, two vente coffees, and I'll drink that until like two. And then oftentimes at lunch, I'm a gorilla, man. And I'll just grab like two handfuls of spinach and I'll eat two handfuls of spinach and that's my lunch. And then at dinner, I'll just have veggies, you know, beans, veggies, whatever my wife cooks. She's a... She's That's crazy. I, I've, I've, I believe me. I have thought about this because I, I like to think of myself as a healthy person. Again, I'm 43 mm -hmm. years old, and I try to stay as a competitive grappler. I'm trying my best. I want to go to the AACC trials again this year. I want to win that shit eventually before I die. Blah 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 blah. All these other things that I want to try to do. Yeah. Con convince myself that I can still hang with the young bucks. But one of the ways that I think about longevity is going to a vegan lifestyle and, and, and doing some of the things like that. And I'm always concerned about energy levels. Like you, you never have any problems with your energy levels. Do you feel like your body, no. obviously you've been doing it no. forever, but do you feel like your body converts it that way? No, I mean, it's, it's energy is just a function. Just if, if you look at the human physiology and you look at how we evolved, we didn't evolve eating at a buffet. You know, people eat way too much food. The problem yeah. with America in the industrialized world is not that we have too little it's that we have too much and so you know we evolved to deal with lack with no food and so you know i don't take supplements i don't take vitamins i don't take anything man i think it's all bullshit man i've been around the nutrition industry since i was young and it's all just whack it's whack man i was having this conversation with someone today you know whey protein all that shit they don't need any of that eat less eat less food you know what i mean the one of the most one of the most uh difficult things for the body is to digest and when you stuff your stomach full of 18 different types of foods you have to excrete all kinds of enzymes and you cause this confusion inside of your body and it just ends up people think they're eating healthy and they're just creating more toxins and so for me it's i have much more energy the 
the more I eat food that is easily digestible, the more energy I have. And that makes sense, right? When you eat a big meal, you tell me, do you have a lot of energy afterwards? No, you don't. You want to go freaking take a nap. I don't feel that's how I judge my health in real time. That's like the instant karma of whatever I'm eating. How do I feel after I eat it? If I'm tired, then I, I'm, I'm entering a state of, of unhealth. And so I, I make sure that I don't eat too much and I make sure whatever I eat is clean and it's not uh, bogging me down. So I don't get tired. I don't get, you know, no, I feel much better. And like I said, I don't just do jujitsu every day. I lift every day too. So like, are you taking any, you're saying you're not working out uh, the same every day. I assume you're leaving some time in the week for recovery, you know, just like active recovery, just since that's, like I work a, out every, I work out every day, but every you know, day. So yeah. So the, I like, might every single day I lift every single day, but I don't lift the same body part, you know? Yeah. And I might, and I might only, you know, if you watched me work out, you would be like, Oh my God, that dude is so lazy. Because I'll just sit there and <laughs> okay. listen to headphones and listen to a podcast and just lift. I'm really just looking for the pump, you know, like Arnold said and pump iron. You know, I'm just trying to get my the, my pump on for whatever body part I'm working. And uh, and that's it. Once I get that on, then I'm done. I don't have to bench press, you know, 400 pounds anymore. I don't have to do any of those things. I just want to get my blood flow going. And then jujitsu is my cardio or surfing, you know. Um, and before COVID I was ice bathing, you know, two, three times a, uh, a week. And I really missed that because I was in a situation where, you know, my testosterone every single, I don't take any type of TRT or anything I never have. And my testosterone every year was getting higher and higher. And finally I got to the point where the doctor was like, what the is going on? Why, how is your testosterone like 800? And I was like, dude, the only thing I can think of is that I ice bath. I've been, that was like the change in my routine. And, uh, and I think that spurs a, you know, a, a, a survival mechanism almost where, you know, your body's like, I have to kick out these, these, uh, hormones in order to, uh, to survive and stay, you know, because when you jump in, you know, your mind, your body doesn't know any different when you jump in like 35 degree water. You know, and you're right. just chilling in that shit for three minutes, four minutes. I mean, you're you're creating a, 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 a stimulus that is going to trigger a response. And so right. your body's immediately discovering, wow, I need to do some shit to survive and dump all these hormones and oh rush God. all the blood to the to the essential organs and the uh, and the muscles and, and, and all those. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I so I think hormonal health is I, I, I focus a lot on, you know, my digestion. I focus a lot on gut bacteria. And so I try and, you know, the best thing you can eat for your gut is meat and sugar or some of the worst things that you can eat. And uh, carbs are bad for your gut biome and plants are good. So I eat a lot of plants for that reason. And I notice a difference and I focus on that and I focus on hormones. That's one of the reasons I don't eat meat is because, or dairy, because there's hormones in the animals that they're putting in there. It's not like you're going out there and you're freaking killing wild game. You know, that's a totally different discussion, you know, and I'm not a hunter because I'm way too lazy. So I don't, you know, I don't, so I'm like, all right, I'd rather just not going to eat any of it, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah I, so I don't take those hormones into my body. Brazilian jiu-jitsu bat black belt, but like world champion at, at multiple different belt levels. I'm too lazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
tell tell us a little bit about your book, man. What's I, I, I author is something that is also I, I'm I'm a writer myself. I'd like to consider myself a writer. I write articles. A, a damn good one. Yeah, I've been, <laughs> I've been doing a few little awesome. tinkerings here and there to figure out a way to crank out a book. And uh, no, I, I I've been writing for forever. I, it was something like I. I I gravitated to, I was a reader as a kid. And so I've always been a reader. I love literature. I love sci-fi. And so, um, I did the, I wrote a book, published book on UFC. I'm a photographer also. Um, but I really wanted to turn my attention to sci-fi. And so I wrote, I've been writing for the past five, six years, a uh, sci-fi novel series. And I've just finished, I'm putting out, I've put out right now, uh, an audio book of the uh the first book and so that's available on my instagram page you can just click on there it's on itunes the book is called arc zero and so uh i, I just i love writing man i love how it's like jujitsu in the sense that it's so difficult you know and it's it's such a long long road to write a book and uh and so you know it's just right back in that theme of this is what's the most difficult thing that i can attempt and give you know my life hours to and see what comes of it you know i mean it's never about the results it's always about you know the, the process journey. the process the process yeah i love the journey of it so i write every day i've been writing every day probably for 25 years you know and i read relentlessly i don't watch we, tv <laughs> um i i'd be interested to know what sorts of uh what sorts of sci-fi books you're you gravitate towards like if you're just like reading in your free time do you, do you like read uh, as well or are, are you mainly just like oh, interested in writing you have to if you're gonna write you have to read it's like saying are you gonna i'm gonna do jujitsu but i'm gonna be a jujitsu player but i'm not gonna watch other people you know i'm not gonna watch videos i'm not gonna watch you know i mean i learned so much of jujitsu from watching videos and watching you know keenan and watching uh, mikey and you know all these guys levi and the brothers and so yeah i mean you have to read and so yeah i'm i'm actually a uh my podcast that i had going for a long time which was based on nutrition and jujitsu is called modus v and I put that aside because I've been for the past like seven months, I've been a co-host of a sci-fi podcast called Infinite Worlds. And so Infinite Worlds is actually a, uh, a, a science fiction magazine um, that uh, publishes stories and art. It's kind of like heavy metal type stuff. It's really cool. Very literary. And I approached the, uh, the owner uh, because I followed them on, or the publisher on uh, Instagram. And I was like, dude, you need a podcast because this shit is really cool. And I'm like, let's do it. And he was like, oh, my God, I'm a fan of yours. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So <laughs> we launched a podcast like seven months ago. It's doing really well. It's a lot of fun. And uh, so to, it's called Infinite Worlds, Infinite Worlds Magazine. But um, to, to your question, uh, my favorite book of all time is Dune. Um, oh, I will. So I gotta. I gotta ask how. How as someone who it's on my to, to read list, but the, the mm. trailer for the Dune movie just came out. What are you? What are you thinking yep. about it? It's amazing. I can't wait. I've seen every single Dune. Everything. I've read all the books, all the prequels, sequels. Like thirty books, man, of Dune. It's my favorite book series ever. I think book, Dune is just. It's the greatest story ever. Um, and so, yeah, I'm pumped. I can't wait for the movie. I liked the I liked the David Lynch one. So it's very trippy and psychedelic and heavy and martial arts and 
you know, all the shit I love, which is what my book is too. So yeah, um, very, very inspired by Dune. So Dune, I love Dune novels. I like, there's one of the best uh, series that I've read. Um, and I'm just rereading right now was a, um, uh, Orcs and Crake, which was written by Margaret Atwood. And and Orcs and Crake is a trilogy of books um, that she wrote. She also wrote Handmaid's Tale. So that was a really Uh, good one. And uh, Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar Wilde, which is pseudo sci-fi. It's really cool, man. Nerd culture, and it's dope. That won the Pulitzer a few years ago. Just just, Juno Diaz. Just because this is the one topic that ever gets discussed on this show that I might be the black belt in, I gotta kind of, <laughs> I gotta take a minute to one. We actually had one of our first episodes uh, of the Jiu Jitsu Times podcast, uh, an author, Alexander Darwin. He is an author and black belt out of uh, Boston, Massachusetts. And he has a book series called The Combat Codes, which is all, it's oh, like really? super sci fi, but also like, like accurate martial arts oriented. Like he's all about like, I want to get the, I want to prove that you can write accurate martial arts, like MMA grappling style in a way that is interesting and not lose. Like you don't got to make it all about like, you don't got to dilute martial arts in order to make it interesting. So he's like setting, he said it in the dystopian future, like, like the, the whole, I got to check it out. No, it's, it's amazing. And I just want to, because I haven't talked to him in a while. I want to just get, I read the first book. It's incredible. The whole idea is that nations will elect like a martial arts champion. And so instead of everyone going to war, they'll have this one jacked up super soldier fight another jacked up super soldier like for in order to get oil and like food for their like nation and it's like super super cool and you got guys you got guys that are all about like scouting for talent you know it's like sort of a rocky situation but it's like it's legit martial arts so combat codes go go read it if you haven't alexander darwin i'll send i'll send you a link it's it's okay cool cool. he's also got an audio book out on audible but uh other than that I, i think that would be very difficult i would never attempt that I don't think I have the ability to do that. I, I'm more attracted to the philosophy, you know, like George Lucas and Star Wars. That yeah. is very martial arts philosophy, but it's not really martial arts. And that yeah, me, it's samurai, like yes, samurai, exactly, like Bushido. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. The whole and, combat jujitsu thing, I don't think I could pull that off. I would be and, way too daunted by that. Well, other than that, I feel like just if you're looking for sci-fi that's also got a lot of fantasy elements, it's almost like a space fantasy. Uh, the the Mistborn books and uh, Stormlight Archive by Brandon oh, Sanderson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm like super deep into Stormlight. One of my jujitsu buddies actually got me into him. So oh, that's so cool, man. Yeah, that's no, awesome. everyone in jujitsu always keys me off. I get all of my recommendations exclusively from jujitsu people. This days. is our tribe. I mean, this is, this is yeah, right. Do, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, mean, exactly. We're kind of shallow people now. Oh my god! No, I mean, Kev, you were just saying like I think it was you that was telling in the past episode like I don't have any non-jujitsu friends. I got like I two, know, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, weird, it's weird so how it true. happens. I, I have surfer friends, but most of my surfer friends do jujitsu. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to get them to do jujitsu. Right? Yeah, I look they, at him. I look at him as like less than people. It's like, <laughs> what do you mean you don't? You don't know jujitsu? <laughs> like, like I, come I, on, like, like, come yeah, on, go to you a class. Should. Like, don't you realize? <laughs> yeah. No, in Newport Beach, almost everybody that I hang out with is a jujitsu guy who and a surfer. I mean, that's because it's Newport Beach, you know. 
So, you know, between me, Joel Tudor and Barca and Dustin Barca and just all these really amazing surfers, Eli Olson, I, I'm, I'm, it's really rad that, uh, that whole junction, that nexus between jujitsu and surfing. Very let, cool. Let me ask you one more question before we get going here, Nick, because I, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm intrigued by you because I'm always intrigued by people like yourself that, that are self-motivated and eclectic and have found a way to make it work or found their way in the world being the person they want to be unapologetically. Um, tell me about the differences between the passion and the discipline. How much of it is just the thumb up at your world, nose in the air, I'm going to do what I want to do. And how much of it is the discipline that's required to be able to pa live that Passion lifestyle? has nothing to do with it, man. Passion yeah. wanes. You have to be disciplined. You have to just, you know, it's like when I bought the van, I, I, I just, every single day, I would just make a list at night. I did it just like jujitsu. I'd watch YouTube videos. I'd never built out a van and I would just, it did it exactly the same way. And I would just make a list of things that I was going to work on and I'd wake up in the morning and I would start working. And guess what? I didn't want to fucking work some days. <laughs> you know what I mean? My hands hurt. My back hurt. My, you know, it's con hardcore construction. And I, I, but it was something I wanted to do by myself. It was a goal of mine to do it, do it, do it on my own. And so instead of paying somebody to do it. And so, you know, I mean, just it, passion's bullshit, man. Talent's bullshit. Just do the work, man. Just go put your head down. When I was in law school, I would just go in the library every single day and I would sit in that library till nine at night from, you know, one in the afternoon after classes or 10 in the morning. I would stay there for 12 hours and I would just read the worst shit I ever read in my life. You know, it was boring. It wasn't Dune. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I when I passed the bar, the same thing, man. You just, you know, pass the bar in Florida, pass the bar in California. You just, you just do the work, man. You cannot think about passion or motivation. You have to just shut the fuck up and get to work man and uh and you know i've done that enough in my life to where it's i don't even i don't think about it i don't think about what other people think i don't give a shit man because you know other people echo their own doubts to you and so it's almost a reflexive reaction on their part because they don't have the motivation i mean that's where that's why people spend time in their lives criticizing uh, online, criticizing other people when it's like, dude, you're obviously are using that life energy because you're, you're frustrated or whatever it is, but you can't, I, I don't think about any of that. I don't think about passion. I don't think about other people, what they think. I just do. I set a goal and I just do it. You know? So just as a follow-up to that, so the idea of passion, I think people equate that to satisfaction or enjoyment. So if there is no passion, therefore there can be no satisfaction or enjoyment with just a disciplined life, like some kind of puritanical, puritanical lifestyle. Where do you feel you still, do you still get the satisfaction out of accomplishment that comes from that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I get the satisfaction out of the process. You know, I get the satisfaction by saying, okay, I'm working on squid guard today with my partner. We're going to do it for an hour. I'm going to see if I can develop this new technique. I'm going to see if I can, you know, hone my entry into this position or, you know, this transition. And then I just, you know, that's where I, you know, it's more of an incremental breakdown than it is 
for oh i just won worlds now when i win a tournament am i ecstatic yeah it's freaking um i i take a moment and i make sure that i savor you know that success you know but i don't get too hung up on success because then the flip side is you get hung up on failure and every success is built on a thousand failures so you have to be able to you know sublimate that failure and just walk past it and go beyond okay that would that didn't work out keep going that didn't work out keep going so um yeah it's it's yeah i do i i that's an interesting question but it's definitely one where you have to learn how to you know you have to embrace the process and you have to love the process you have to say i'm a grinder I'm a I grinder. I literally just wrote that down on my little notebook and placed it. <laughs> it's so you guys that... have any questions on van life? That's one thing. That, uh, <laughs> I mean, okay, like, well, well now Sorry, I'm dude. not like tooth. I'm not gonna lie. Now I kind of just want to talk about like, oh, did you read the Thrawn books and Star Wars? Like, I got to start. Right, like, nerds, like, give, like, give me I'm a minute here. <laughs> I got like, I got a cup of like, I got a cup of dice for my 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 D and D games. Oh, yeah. I got some D and D books over let, there. Let, let me love, take a breath here before you guys take a dark I would love to briefly. I would love to before. I would love to close with some uh, questions I had about van life that I think mm-hmm. some of our, our jujitsu people want to know. A lot of them revolve around how much laundry you must have and how you take oh. care of that. Just because of jujitsu, it's like it piles up out of nowhere. You probably have a ton of geese and like rash I guards. Well, I, I, I actually have right now, I have, I'm only traveling with two geese. And so I got my blackie and my uh, my whitey both AOJ. And to re- the reality is is that as I went, started traveling, I anticipated that I was going to be rolling, you know, a lot more. But my wife has not gotten COVID yet, and so we just made a decision. Gyms are, you know, people are freaked out right now, and so you know, people ro- rolling in places that I've gone to is is illegal. It's not allowed. Um, they're doing it undercover. They're, you know, blocking out windows and I have rolled at places. Um, but, uh, the, the real training that I was able to get in this summer was I spent when we got all the way up to the border of Washington. Um, I, uh, was again, every, everything for me, like you guys comes from our jujitsu tribe, right? So uh, one of my buddy, one of my drilling partners had been up to Oregon and he's like, there are these brothers up there, the Adamson brothers, and um, they trained under Lovato, Rafael Lovato, and um, they're really freaking good black belts. And so we got up there and it was a very small town um, with like 6,000 people and zero cases. So, um, so we started, once we got there, it was so cool, man. These guys, these guys, uh, Nate and uh, Zach Adamson, um, they're so great. One of them, Zach, is actually competing at the next. Um, where's the tournament? Is it in Oklahoma? There's a tournament. There's an IBJJ. IB, it was in Orlando. It's right down the street from me. It's about okay. an hour, it's about an hour. Away. I'm yeah. in Tampa. It's about an hour away. Wow. Okay. The, the pan, the pan I think there's one in Oklahoma. I think yeah, there's yeah, one in Oklahoma. The, Austin, the Austin Open is this weekend, I believe it is. The UFC oh, okay. IBJF Austin Open is this weekend. One of our guys is doing that one. And then the, the pans are the following weekend. But you might be right. There could be something in Oklahoma too. I think there I think there that's what I remember. But maybe right. not. Maybe it's Austin. I don't know. But uh so, anyways, I got up there and they uh their gym, they they don't really have cases. So I started rolling with them. I really hit it off with them. One of them surfs. Um, and they also have their dad has a 50 acre farm 
just outside of town and it's one of the most beautiful pieces of property i've ever seen the trees are beautiful it's like magical man and so we just went out we would camp there and so we started alternating we would spend two days at the gym and i started teaching at the gym and doing seminars and um and we would also spend like two days out at the the farm and we started telling them about there's this like uh what is it airbnb type of a deal for people that have property called hip camp and i'm like you guys need to take this freaking farm and create like a, a campground and so dude they started by the time we left we were there for like almost a month they started they were cutting in roads they were putting in and so what they're going to do is they're going to create like a campsite and this this town is amazing it's right by the beach um the woods are just magical and they're going to put in a massive tent and so for next summer they're going to do like a big uh jujitsu retreat there and have like big names come up and teach and just invite people up and so it's so funny how just like we were saying everything for all of it for us three revolves around jujitsu that's all it is you know that's it i mean i I very clearly remember the day i decided to just sign on fully for this cult and it was like i was i graduated i i got a master's degree and an undergrad in in journalism and a master's in marketing and i was working for a local news station not news station newspaper and i was covering a local election and i was basically just interviewing these two old white dudes who just kind of did vague insults at each other yeah and i was I got done with the the Republican guy and I just sat in my car and I was just like, I hate this. I hate this more than I've ever hated anything in my life. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'm just like, and then I, I convinced my boss to let me cover. There was a King of the cage fight. And I was like, I was, I was a white belt at the time, but I'm like, you gotta let me cover this event. Like it's, it, it's cool. It's in my jurisdiction. They're like, okay. And I got to go and meet the fighters. It was great. And I'm like, I got to figure out a made way, like make this my whole, my whole hustle. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. I have, I teach a lot of private lessons and I'll, I, I go out and outsource. Like I'm out, I'm a man about town. I bartend and shit like that. Everybody in town knows me. I've lived in Tampa my yeah. whole life. So, you know what I mean? Everybody in the city knows who I am, but I go out and I'll outsource people you know, lawyers and doctors and whoever from the community to come take private lessons with me. And I always tell them, it's like, you know, I understand we're having this conversation right now. I'm telling you like what jujitsu is all about. And like in your mind, you're thinking, yeah, this would be cool. I'll learn a little self-defense. I'll do some cardio or I'll do this and that and learn how to fight or learn how to do UFC stuff. And I always tell them, I was like, I'm going to placate you and tell you that, yes, that's why we're going to train. And like, this is what the reason why to get you in the door. But after about 10 sessions, you're going to realize that it's so much more than that. Like jujitsu is so much deeper and so much cooler. And it's going to change you in challenges in ways you can't even begin to understand. And before long, you're going to be sending me like YouTube clips on Instagram, at like two o'clock in the morning on this. Oh, tell me how to do this star show coach. And like, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to like San Diego for my, for my, for my vacation or for work. Is there any gyms out there I can go train at? And like, it's, I, I wake up. I wake. I wake up every morning to like seven or eight vague threats from all, like from a few of my jujitsu buddies that I train with, that are like, like, uh, like, like almost actionable violence against me, and I'm just like, I wouldn't oh, have it any me. other way. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we, it's a lifestyle, man. You know, it is. It takes it, over you. 
it's great. And it takes us all around the world. That's what's so great about it. You know, we meet different people. It's just, it's the best. Man. You could run into somebody that you've never met before in your life. And you're like, you, you train. They got like a little jujitsu shirt on. You train. Yeah, I train. All of a Call sudden. You're, you're like, oh, oh, yeah. Now it's <laughs> on. Buddies instantly. Yeah. yeah. All, of, all of a sudden, you're friends. Man. All right, Kevin. I'm going to need you to not make fun of me for 30 seconds. Okay. <laughs> Starting you now. About Oxford, so, if you talk about Oxford, it's off the yeah, no, He went to Oxford, Nick. Okay. This is the part where he tells us all no, no, that he no. went to Oxford and spent time in London. <laughs> all right. Okay. He's so going to drop some. I'm going <laughs> to drop. All right. So I got the chance to study abroad at Trinity College in Oxford. And I was training. I, I, I was fucking around. I didn't realize you were going to do it. I was literally going to do it. I was. And I'm just like, I need you to not make fun of me like you do every time. I'm you always, you're I'm not sorry because you do this every fucking time. All right. So <laughs> I got I got the chance to get to study abroad. and It was great. But everyone went there. And by that point, I had trained for a little over a year. I was still white belt, but I was in love with it. And I realized that there's a Carlson Gracie school a few blocks away from from the campus. And so every night I would just go there and train and everyone was going out to the bars and they wonder where the hell is Kevin? Like, and they'd ask me during the day, where the hell do you go? You just straight up disappear after class and then we can't see you. And sometimes you got bruises on your face and like you're sweaty and like you're just walking around. I'm like, yeah, I'm training jujitsu. And they're like, why the fuck are you doing that? And I, 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 two times I had to kind of explain to them why I like jujitsu and what it is. And I'm like, and they just, it never really got through. So I was always like, I was always like just on my own doing that. But I end up, I still talk to the, the people I train with there. I think, did we lose Nick? You don't know. He's still there. We maybe, we might've lost Nick. That oh boy. That's a shame. I wanted to tell him bye. He's awesome. He was a great guest. I mean, yeah, I, I it's so fucking dumb yeah. that we never like we talked about so much cool stuff, but we like he's an IBJJF Masters champion. We never yeah, talked about that. Yeah, he was a great guest, man. It's a shame. It's a shame we lost him. All so right, give, hey, give I'm us, gonna I'm yeah. gonna message to see if we can like just tell him thanks or whatever, whatever, whatever. You got it. You you get this. You're you're professional. I'm just gonna like yeah. see if. Uh, oh wait, he he left. He might. Um, I want to, I just want to see if we can close the circuit on this. Cause it would hate to, I would hate to, but with Chris Howder being our last guest and like, I had to yeah. film a like makeup <laughs> video right after that. Like, like he did, did you know what happened? He froze and, um, he froze and then he just wrote on a note till we meet again. Yeah, and then he fucking left. I think I saw that part. Chris, is, you know, what's you know, what's really funny. Just as a side note. Like coming into this interview, I almost anticipated the same thing from Nick Tooth because I didn't know much about him. I thought he was going to be this eclectic, over the top, all over the place, bouncing around because I met him once. And I think the one time I met him, it was like a quick little introduction. And I kind of got you see him with the missing tooth. You know what I'm talking about? And you kind of connect the dots. Yeah. He's just this personality. Man, he is so cool. Like he really had, he really had such I mean, amazing oh, insights. He's such an amazing. Oh, there person. we go. Back. Hey, hey Nick is back. All right, I was, so I was just blowing you up. Well, Thanks, yeah. Man. So, but the 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 central point of what I was trying to say was that like I everyone else was doing their own thing, but because of jujitsu, I got to have a divergent path and go meet a bunch of these weird, cool people that beat the shit out of me every day, and they hated my guts a little bit because I was a filthy American, and they called me like a colonial, and they were asking, <laughs> like, and then on the Fourth of July, they took turns beating the shit out of me and saying like. Oh, how's your tea, fucker? Like, and they're still mad about the tea party. And I'm just like, I'm a white belt. This isn't like, 
I'm not. I wasn't the guy. I didn't do that. I mean, I didn't. I I didn't move from the. I didn't kick you guys out. I'm all for the queen. Let's do it, man. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, dude, man, like I was telling Kev before we got caught off. I'm I'm sure we're wrapping this up here pretty soon. But like, I was just telling Kev, like, like, dude, like, you're amazing, man. I'm not just saying that just to drop that. Like, I did. We had Chris Howder on the last podcast, and Chris is awesome. But you, I mean, have you ever met Chris before? He's, he's all over the place. You know what I mean? He's a little, yeah. he's an eclectic. He is type a of lovely guy. man, but he is like trying to wrangle 17 cats at but once. You can and also all see have. the genius, the moments of genius in his brain when the, when the wheels start yeah. turning and you get some of that gold out of him. But like when I, when he told me you were going to come on and he told me, yeah, he's in a van, he's driving around. And like I had, I kind of had the same ideas. I, right, cool. We'll just roll through this. I'm sure we'll get some good <laughs> stuff out of him. You know, he's a cool guy. He's been around. But, dude, like, talking to you, bro, you're, you're awesome, man. You really are, dude. Oh, like, I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you very man, much. Like, like, I, from someone that is trying to, to live somewhat of a lifestyle like yourself, like, it's, it's awesome for me to meet a person that has been able to, 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 to be true to himself and, 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 and come away from him. And you have great insights. You're an intelligent guy. And, like, just, it was a joy to talk to you. It really was, man. Thank you so much, man. It was a joy for me too, man. I yeah. really, I'm honored for you guys having me on. I really enjoyed I, it. I it, can't it, wait it, to come out and roll because, hold on, the next part of my van adventure is we're going back to Florida. So, dude, I'm hit, where, and where get, you? what part of Florida? I'm in Tampa. Okay, Central, yeah, right? I'm gonna in come Tampa. down. Yeah, hit. We're give me spend some dude. time in. We're, we're gonna spend like a month in Miami, so that'll be perfect. Does Kev have your info? Are you on? Uh, are you on Instagram or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. A, Nick, Nick yeah. That's how, this whole, that's how this whole this how that's how this whole interview happened, man. If you want to like, if you want to <laughs> give me if you want to give me your number after we go off here, I promise I won't yeah. hit you up at like no, hit, me on, or Insta- like hit me on Instagram. I'll give yeah, you my yeah. change numbers for sure. Yeah, dope, 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 dope. Cool, man. Yeah. Awesome. So okay. I, I think just like awesome. one last question, if you would have me, Mr. Tooth, and that is, you know, the the inciting incident for wanting to have you on, aside from you having lived a very interesting life, is you uh you as a as a black belt, uh, won 2019 uh, Masters, and I would love to get your insights on how the the preparation for the the event was, and and how you felt coming out of it. It was a it was a really uh, big feather in your cap, and I just uh, I just want to learn more about it. I it was it was interesting because I was down. I didn't know, even know if I was going to do the tournament. I really wanted to. I got promoted in uh, October, I think. And the tournament was December, like 14th, I think. Um, but uh, but I had, in the interim, I went to uh, Ecuador with Cheeto Vera. is one of my very close friends. And we went down there. Um, he's a UFC fighter. He just fought Sean O'Malley. Oh, Sean, O'Malley. Sean yeah. O'Malley. And I think he's fighting Jose Aldo next. I don't know if I'm breaking news here that shouldn't right. be broken or not. Right. But I think that's his next fight. You heard it here and first. So, Nick the tooth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's one of my closest friends. And so I went down to Ecuador with him and we were doing some helping him with some promotional things down there. And um, and so when I got back, I had like three weeks. I mean, I got to train down there. But obviously, when you're traveling, you're not you don't get to train like you wanted to. So I came back. I had three weeks. I think I signed up like the day I was like, okay, I need to be able to train a few days and see how I feel in the academy. And, um, and I did. And so then I signed up, I finally got through, you know, sometimes it's a nightmare signing up for IBJJF, but I finally got through like the last hour of the last, I was on the phone with them. Like, dude, just get me in the tournament. And so, 
Um, and then I just was, you know, before then, I, like I said, I was training with Jonathan all the time and I just trained every single day for that three, four weeks. And, uh, going in there, I just felt like, okay, I, uh, one of the guys I had lost to twice, um, at two different, I think at purple belt and at both times at purple belt. And, um, uh, it's, it's funny because for me, every time that I've gotten promoted and then competed, I, that next tournament, I lose, I freaking lose. You know, it's like, I have to like earn my way up to that belt. Okay. Now I'm a purple belt, which really means I'm the white belt of purple belts. Okay. Now I'm a brown belt, which really means I'm a freaking white belt of brown belts, you know? And, uh, so going into that tournament, I knew I was going to face him again, a really close friend of mine too. Um, but he got me twice and both matches I was winning and, uh, you know, just mental mistakes and he's good, man. So, um, so going into that tournament, I just thought, okay, let me, let me, I looked at the, my brackets. I was like, all right, I'm going to fight him second. Let me, uh, let me just get through. Um, let me just go this first match. Let me just try and win this first match at black belt because I'm black belt. I'm white belt, the black belts. And, uh, so that first match, I'm a guard player, even in Nogi. And, and so my philosophy is always like, okay, super 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 limber you know i could put my foot behind my head and shit i sit in lotus every day do a lot my wife is a yoga teacher so i do a lot of yoga and um and so my philosophy was just you know i'm i just don't i'm not gonna let anybody pass my guard that's all i give a shit about i don't care if i win or lose i just don't that was like my mindset so i wouldn't freak myself out with anything else and uh you know going into the tournament man it was just every match was a grind it was really tough um but you know in the end uh i won i i, I beat my buddy which was a great feeling <laughs> and so <laughs> and then he, he, had, he had won worlds uh before and uh and then i just won in the final and i was just like holy shit i cannot believe i just did that <laughs> and he was you no know, he was coaching me and that's always awesome when one of the brothers coaches me so yeah, Dude, that's really cool, man. that's an accomplishment. I always say that. Like, I I want it in brown belt and the gi and no gi, and like it's it's one thing to say you want it in brown belt at Masters two, whatever it is, which is kind of cool. But you know, the idea of winning the division against other brown belts that are forty years old, forty two years old, like those guys have only been training jujitsu for six, seven years. You know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? When yeah. you're at the black belt level at 40 years old you could be going against a dude that's been training for 20 25 yeah some of them he's been a black belt longer than you've been training he's been a black belt longer than i've been training it's a lot yeah. a lot of the times man and like it's it's something man i i want to my i really want to win it at the black belt i really want to get out there and, and do it in the black belt just because like i i just want to be able to say you know what man like i'm i'm up there with some of these like legendary dudes and they just something you know, just you do it for myself man you know what i mean yeah like, for sure i'm hoping tomorrow i'll be back in newport beach and uh gonna start training again with the brothers and i'm hoping tomorrow i get a chance to train megaton he's training over at oh, ruka know, with his man. daughter uh yeah. mackenzie's fighting i think yeah. next week yeah. And so yeah. I'm hoping tomorrow I get to roll with them. I've always wanted to roll with them. How f isn't uh, isn't that near San Diego, Newport Beach, or am I am I off? I'm off base with that. It's halfway between Newport and uh, San Diego, or, or yeah. it's halfway between Los Angeles and San Diego. Yeah, because I, I go to San Diego a lot. I have a friend of mine at Transit Auto, so I go it's like there two hours. Yeah, and yeah, maybe I'll come I go you guys if I ever go there. Auto, so I go down there and train with uh, Andre and ever probably like once a, a month. Yeah, I love Andre. 
Yeah, he's super cool, man. Super cool, dude. Yeah, man. Guys. Yeah, man. <sighs> Nick, bro, again, I won't blow you up again, but you're awesome. Thanks for coming on. Oh, uh, thank really. you so much, guys. Yeah, it was such yeah. an honor coming on, man. I'd love to come on again. So yeah. thank you so I much. I mean, like, as uh, for real, it was it was an absolute pleasure having you. Uh, and I got to say, I'm, I'm pissed because of this, but uh, my sister is a vegan and she has been trying to get me to, like, not go full vegan, but commit to, like, a meatless day of the week and i've always been like no nah, i need my my cheeseburgers but because in honor of you <laughs> sir in honor of you i will expect i will experiment the until the end of october i will see how i feel with like one meatless day a week and i'll see if that gets the ball rolling on me being healthier i used to be in shape i'm sort of pudgy now so we'll, we'll see if i can get maybe like climb that mountain and and come up to where all like the immortal vegans live that don't age, you know. So like that's a. I, I, listen, man. I tell people <laughs> it's not about the the exception; it's the rule. My rule is I'm vegan, but man, I, there's some pizza here that I love, like the Beverly Hills. I'm eating it, dude. I love is it like it. cauliflower or like no? It's oh, it's just regular it's pizza. pizza man. <laughs> it's my cheat day, and I don't I don't get a chance to do that very often. But you know, once a week I'll eat something, and I'm like, ah, I'm gonna eat it. I don't give a shit. I'm gonna. You've you've convinced me to to dig deeper into into the vegan lifestyle, man. Vegetarian God, we're, lifestyle. Like Kevin, a year from now, we're just gonna be like ripped up vegans, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna be so jacked. Any anyone can hit me with any questions on my Instagram about diet. Yeah. I get questions all the time. So any listeners, uh, anyone, actually, uh, at, the, at the at the close of the show, we usually allow the guests to plug whatever they might want to plug. So like, uh, I know you said you had an audio book out. Uh, you've got yeah. uh, your Instagram, Nick the Tooth. Uh, is there anything else everything, that we're forgetting? Everything comes off my Instagram, so just go Nick the Tooth is my Instagram, and people can just go to that. All right, and, we'll be uh, sure to find my audiobook, a sci-fi audiobook. I've got uh, nine chapters up. I'll have another three, like in another week, and um, just something to do while you're sitting at home, you know, quarantine shit all right. <laughs> we all got to do something sitting at home in quarantine or riding around in a van during quarantine <laughs> all right well down this by the river. river down by the river <laughs> that's right that's right i just sent you that right, text boy. message with my number if you want to shoot me all right text. okay well awesome. okay yeah, so nice. this has been uh, a barn burner episode of the jiu-jitsu times podcast uh, and as always i have been your host kevin bradley joined as always by my co-host Mr. Kevin Gallagher and special guest Nick the Tooth. Nick, thank you so much for coming by. We hope to have you on again soon. But awesome. until the, until then, until our next episode, all of you out there, remember to stay safe, stay healthy, love your loved ones, and we'll see you next time. Good night. Later, boys. <laughs>